Amen. Read Bibles this morning and find the book of Amos, chapter number 8. The book of Amos, chapter number 8 today. And uh, we'll see what we can find in the Word of God today. Man, if you're ever buying a sport coat, don't get one that's got microfiber on the inside of it. You can't hardly get the coat on or get it off. <laughs> you know what? It costs just as much as one of the old school ones that had silk inside of it. You know, them are nice. You can just slide them right on and slide them right off, and they're just comfortable to wear. Uh, not that mess, but uh, anyways, this was uh, maybe that's why it was on sale. So, Oh, well, it's a belt special. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. I just knew y'all would need a little extra time to find the book of Amos, so there we go. All right. <laughs> Little book is one of the minor prophets. Uh, I love the minor prophets in the Bible. and uh, They are called minor because of their size, and uh, meaning they're not, very, uh, not too many chapters, not... Uh, um, not a very large book. You can read the whole book in a, in a very quick amount of time or a very short amount of time. And that's why they're called minor. But let me tell you something. Uh, minor has nothing at all to do with the message uh, of the minor prophets. And uh, they may be short, but I'm going to tell you something there to the point, And they pack a punch. And I love studying the minor prophets. If you found your place this morning, let's all stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Amos chapter number 8. I want to read two verses here, and uh, we'll get into the message this morning. Uh, The Bible says in verse number 11, Amos chapter number 8, verse number 11, this is a very uh, common, uh, well-known verse. Uh, that I just feel led to preach on a little while this morning. But the Bible says in verse number 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse verse 12 says, And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise up again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the privilege and opportunity to be here in your house today, Father. God, I thank you for your love and your mercy, God. I thank you for salvation this morning. Thank you for the choir singing, the special singing, Father, and how the songs have stirred my soul, Father, this morning. I pray, God, that you would help us for a little while now, that it is time to bring the word, Father. And God, I can not do it alone. I need your help. I need your anointing this morning, Father. God, give us ears to hear your word and give us uh, feet to put them into practice this morning, dear Father. God, help us all. I pray if there's one lost under the sound of my voice, they'd be saved today before it's eternally too late. I pray for that one that may be out of fellowship with you and not right with you this morning. God, I pray today would be the day that they get their sin repented of and, and, and God turn back to you. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you do for us, God. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In these two verses right here, the Bible speaks about a famine. Now, that word famine is defined as 
a widespread condition in which many people in a country or region are unable to access adequate food supplies. Now, famines were not uncommon in Bible days. We read of famines throughout the uh, Bible, but God said this famine in our text verses today will be a famine for not food, not water, but for the Word of God. Now, this is the worst famine of all. It's worse than a famine of bread. It's worse than a famine of uh, or a thirst for water. You see, we need the Word of God more than we need bread every day. We need the Word of God more than we need <coughs> water for our bodies. Now, you may be sitting back going, okay, preacher, you done lost it. If I don't drink, I'm going to die. If I don't eat, I'm going to die. Uh, honey, if you are not feasting on the Word of God, you are going to die and die more than just physically. Amen? Without the Word of God today, we have no salvation. We have no hope. No promises to stand on. No truth to cling to. No light to lead us on the way in a world of darkness, lies, and rebellion. Can you just imagine what we would be like without the Word of God? I don't want to think about that. Now the prophet Amos, he prophesied during the final days of the northern kingdom of Israel. This was a time of great military power. It was a time of great economic prosperity. It was a time of great peace, a time of great joy, and a time of happiness for most of the people. Well, that all sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds wonderful. Sounds like something I'd like to have today. So you might wonder why such a destructive message was given to these people. If everything is good, preacher, then why did God say He's sending them a famine? Well, Amos' message to them is one of judgment and one of condemnation. His message exposes the true spiritual condition of our nation, or their nation. Uh, they are wealthy financially. They are powerful as far as their military is concerned. But they are destitute spiritually. It goes back to what I just said a while ago. You might be sitting back going, what do you mean the Word of God is more important than the bread that I'm going to eat today and the water that I'm going to drink today? Well, the reason is, is because you can look fine on the outside and be absolutely dead on the inside. As a matter of fact, that's what Christ told those Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, they had it all together on the outside. They looked good. They did everything the way that they were supposed to do. Everything looked fine. But what did he say? He said on the inside they were whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. In other words, they were destitute spiritually. Now, I know with our physical eyes, we may worry about our physical bodies and worry about the physical bread that we put in our bodies and the physical water that we put in our bodies. But let me tell you something. God is more concerned with something else. Well, he even tells us. Now, I don't take this. Now, now some of these preachers, they take this and they, they run with it, but I, I don't do that. You need to take care of your body. Amen? Amen? You need to take care of it. I tell you what, I got under conviction not long ago. As I'm sitting here thinking, huh, I remember hearing a story about Billy Kelly. 
Anybody who knew Billy Kelly, they know he was a big old feller. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I know of a man that told a story that said that he told him one day that he regrets not being able to take control over that fork that went into his mouth. And the reason why is because who knew how many more good years he could have had preaching the gospel of Christ. Working in the ministry. Seeing souls get saved and people get helped. But yet his life was cut short. Why? Because he didn't take care of himself uh, physically. See, as I have mentioned a lot of times, in the Bible, there is a balance. You can take care of your spiritual and let your physical go. That's not good. So let me tell you something. The work of the Lord is not for the faint of heart. You need to take care of yourself mentally. You need to take care of yourself physically, emotionally. Amen? You can't just worry about spiritual matters. But then again, you can't just worry about physical things. We have people out here that are fitter than fit. They've got it all together, but yet spiritually, they are dead. Well, what good is that? There's a balance. There's a balance. And so, we need, honestly, we need to worry about feeding our spiritual side and feeding our physical side. We need to think about those things. I mean, the Bible tells us that bodily exercise profiteth little. But in the context of that, here's what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that you can't, you can't change the color of your hair. You can't add one day onto your life. You know why? Because you got an appointment with death. And nobody changes that appointment. We don't know what it is. God does. But you can do all sorts of things in your life and you're not going to add one day onto your life. You're not going to add one bit of hair to your head. You're not going to change the color. That's important. There's a, literally a Bible verse for that. And everybody's favorite televangelist said that he told his hair to grow and told his hair to turn black and it did. <laughs> the Bible says it's not possible. You can't just sit around and let yourself go, but we need to understand the balance of the Bible. You need to take care of your spiritual matters. Don't get so lost on the physical you forget about the spiritual. Don't get so lost on the spiritual you forget about the physical. Amen? And so, I had to throw that in there because that, that prosperity preacher, I just I, I can't stand him. I don't like him. Or I said it. His name's Kenneth Copeland, if anybody wants to know. Anyways, crazy, crazy. But anyways, anyways. So you can look all good on the outside and be broken on the inside. You can look horrible on the outside, but be good on the inside. Amen? I'm going to move on. Here what we find with the children of Israel is just like we had in the day of the Sadducees and Pharisees. They looked good on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. 
They're enjoying peace and safety and prosperity, but they are in the midst of a season of spiritual drought and they don't even know it. And you know, that's a scary thing. Y'all remember Samson? Samson lost the power of God on his life. The Holy Spirit departed from him and he didn't even realize it. That's the danger of these things. That's the danger. I know that this passage, well, here's, let me, let me back up. Amos here, he's preaching a message that lifts the lid off of their hypocrisy. His preaching reveals the truth that a time of terrible judgment is coming onto the nation of Israel. He wants them to know that a destructive famine is about to fall on their land. And I know this passage was written to the children of Israel, but y'all, I see a lot of parallels between Israel and America right here. Here's the thing. We're in trouble. Our churches are in trouble. Our, uh, our nation is in trouble. Our schools are in trouble. Our cities are in trouble. And this passage contains some clear warnings that you and I need to hear and we need to heed. So I want to preach a little while this morning on the thought, a famine is on the way. A famine is on the way. I want you to notice, number one, this morning, we see that the famine is declared. God says here in verse number 11 that there will be a famine in the land. Now, a physical famine, I've already mentioned this a little bit by introduction, but it's a time when there is no food for the people. Famines throughout history have taken the lives of untold millions of people. I mentioned in the introduction that famines were common throughout the Bible. And according to even the book of Revelation, the last day, will be marked by times of famine and starvation. And during times of famine, bodies dry up, body fat is depleted, limbs shrivel, and people become walking skeletons. Stomachs swell, faces take on hollow expressions, disease runs rampant because immune systems are compromised and sanitation systems are overwhelmed. When there is no food, there is no life. When the food fails, life is not far behind. And God says here, behold. Now we've seen that word before in the Bible. We see it many times in the Bible. It simply means, hey, pay attention. Wake up. I got something I need you to hear. Amen? In other words, he's trying to get our attention. He wants these people to know that a famine is on the way and it's a famine that cannot be avoided. As Americans, we really can't identify with a physical famine. We live in the land of prosperity. We've never been in a famine. Most of us have food enough and then some. We are total strangers to a physical famine. Aren't we? Hey, whether it's a garden in the back of the house or whether it's the grocery store or the Dollar General within a mile of where you live, that's about the truth. If we need something, we can go get it. Can we not? God's been so good to us to not only provide all of those things, but to provide us money to go buy them with. Amen? We don't know what it's like to be hungry and have no option whatsoever. 
We don't know what it's like to, to, for the only water that we have to drink looks like a mud puddle. We don't know what that's like. We don't, we don't know what it's like to thirst for water and be standing around waiting desperately for it to rain so that we can have something to drink. In America, we have no idea what any of that's like. And y'all, that is something to be thankful for. Is it not? Something to be thankful for because, hey, don't ever forget what you have today may be gone tomorrow. Amen. So God has some more to say about this famine, though. He doesn't just say there's a famine on the way. But we see the famines declared, but we also see the famine is described. God tells us of this famine, even though we talked about a physical famine, he, he tells us this is not going to be a famine in which there is a lack of food or lack of water. The famine, according to the Bible, says it will be a famine, in verse 11, of hearing the words of the Lord. You see, the people will have food to eat. They will have water to drink. They will not, however, enjoy the great blessing of hearing the Lord speaking to them any longer. Amos is not talking about a physical famine where there's a lack of material things. He's talking about a spiritual famine in which the Word of God will not be heard. Now I want you to understand something here. This is interesting. When you read this, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. He didn't say he wasn't going to be speaking, did he? I think that's significant. There's something spiritual here. He didn't say he wasn't going to speak to him. But he said the famine will be of hearing the words of the Lord. Well, I, I mean, I just read that for what it's worth. And I think of how in America we have churches all over the place. We have churches. We have the only thing we have more than Dollar Generals is churches. Honestly, I know there's, there is, I, I, I drove by this sign up in Wilkes County one day. This illustrates it perfect. It was this big wooden sign on the side of the road. You turn right there, turn left, depending on which direction you're going. And here's what the sign said. It said, visit one of our local Baptist churches today. And it had five churches listed on it. And they were all out that one road. And here's what it said. It said, something, something Baptist Church, one mile. Something, something Baptist Church, 1.2 miles. Something, something Baptist Church, 1.7 miles. Something, something Baptist Church, three miles. Something, something Baptist Church, four miles. Lord have mercy. I'd vote to combine them. I mean, goodness gracious. We don't have to walk to church anymore in America. We got cars. But anyways, what I'm trying to get at is, he says, hearing the word of God. Y'all, you can go to the Dollar General, you can go to the Dollar, uh, you can go to Dollar Tree, you can go to Walmart, you can come in this church right here and get you a Bible. 
There's Bibles in the pews. There's Bibles in the back. We send out Bibles to the jail ministry all the time. You can have a Bible and it won't cost you a dime. We got more Bibles than we've ever had. The problem is nobody's listening. How'd America get to where it's at? Nobody's listening. Hey, the Catholic Church used to martyr people for trying to translate the Bible into English so that more people could read it. Now we've got more Bibles everywhere and nobody cares to read it. They don't have to put nobody under anymore. Nobody reads it anyways. You can come into church time and time again. Go in and out of church and you come in and you leave the same way you came. That is not how it's supposed to work. You know what the problem is? You're not hearing. It's a famine of hearing the Word of God. Israel will be unable to hear from God. Israel might not have thought this was too much of a curse though when they heard it. After all, they cared little for the ways of the Lord anyways. I'm going to show you. Look in uh, verses 5 and verse 6. Verse 5 and verse 6, we see their spiritual condition. Let's read it. Uh, The Bible says in verse 5, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn? And the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit? that we may buy the poor for silver silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. And you dig into that a little bit. Let me just put it in layman's terms. They were involved in the feast days and in the sacrifices. They took place in the Sabbath because, of course, they were Jews. They held the Sabbath. But they were bored with the things of God. And they could not wait until they were free to pursue their true love. What was their true love? Money. That's what those two verses tell us. You see that where he says, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth? You know what they were saying? When can, what can we do to make the Sabbath go by as fast as it can so we can get on back to doing what we love to do, which is making money? You said they couldn't work on the Sabbath. They couldn't lift a finger on the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And it was just an annoyance to them. Why? Because they were destitute spiritually. They could not wait until the feast days ended so they could open up their stores and begin selling items again. They could not wait until the Sabbaths were over so that they could exploit the poor and make themselves rich. That's what we see right That we may buy the poor for silver and needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. They endured with impatience the demands of God, wanting only to be free from the yoke of His bondage so that they could do as they pleased. And you know what God's response to them was? He gave them what they wanted. They're sick of the law, so He withholds it from them. They are fed up with His Word, so He feeds them silence. They no longer desire to hear His truth, so He obliges them by taking it away from them. Yeah. 
George Whitfield said this, great Puritan preacher. He said, as God can send a nation or people no greater blessing than to give them faithful, sincere, and upright ministers, so the greatest curse that God can possibly send upon a people in this world is to give them over to blind, unregenerate, carnal, lukewarm, and unskillful gods. You know what we got going on today? The blind leading the blind. And I am of the opinion it's nothing but God's judgment. I don't know what y'all think, but as a preacher and a pastor today, there is one thing that is overwhelmingly obvious in this day. And that is that people are not excited about the Word of God. People are not studying the Word of God. People are not obeying the Word of God. And people are not evangelizing. With the Word of God. They're not. Nowadays, the shorter the sermon, the more popular the preacher. 30 minutes is the maximum. And if he keeps it around 20 or 25, he'll get bonus points for that. Y'all, I'm going to say this so y'all know who to get mad at. If I preach 20 or 25 minutes, Miss Dawn wants to know what's wrong with me. You know what she asked me last time I preached 25 minutes? That was back before Christmas, by the way. She said, are you okay? And I started laughing. I'm like, you're just used to me preaching 45 minutes. So, I mean, you know what else she said? She said, are you going to make up for it tonight? <laughs> I made up for it last Sunday night. <laughs> But hey, that's all right. I don't mind it one bit. But in our day, hey, I'm going to tell you something, church. I hate it if y'all don't like this, but I just am getting warmed up and get going about 20 minutes in. I don't mind it. Most of the preachers I listen to preach anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. I try to be gracious. I'm always between 35 and 40, usually. Usually. But what's wrong with that? I get sick and tired of hearing guys go on social media talking about how a good message can't be longer than 30 minutes. Why? You have a wealth of treasure? You expect me to get all that done in 30 minutes? Well, preacher, it don't matter what you think about it. You know the, 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 the head or the, the heart can only endure what the seat, or the heart can only take in what the seat can endure. I say hogwash. Have people say, well, if you can't get it told in 30 minutes, you don't need to tell it. I just roll my eyes. Nothing wrong with preaching 20 minutes. Nothing wrong with preaching 15. Yeah. Amen? Nothing wrong with preaching 5. I've, got, I've seen men get up in a popcorn preaching service or a cowbell service and preach in 5 minutes more than what I do hear some preaching 45. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But you know why people don't care nothing about listening to a long preacher anymore? You know why 
We don't like it when he preaches an hour, preaches 45 minutes. He's got to preach 20, got to preach 25. You know why? I honestly believe it's because people have lost their appetite for the Word of God. Now, I'll be the first to say I've been around a long time. Not as long as some of you, but I, I'm getting there. I started going to church nine months before I ever got out. Okay? I was raised in a pastor's home. I've been to a lot of revivals. I've been to a lot of meetings. Not everybody, you know, you know why we get such a bad reputation? Not everybody gets up for 45 minutes and stays in the Word of God. So I'll just throw that out there. We got a lot of nonsense. We got a lot of guys that get behind a pulpit and just preach an opinion, or they want to preach on politics, or they want to talk about this, that, and the other, never even consult the Word of God. You know what they're doing? They're not preaching. But we ought to have an appetite for the Word of God. If that man is in the book and that man is giving you and feeding you, you know, you know what I am charged to do Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I am charged by God Almighty to feed the flock. I can't feed you with my opinions. I can't feed you with a newspaper headline. I can't feed you by talking about this and that and the other. I can feed you though when we open up this precious Word. And my goal every time I get into a pulpit is to lay a spread of the Word of God. If I ever get to where I'm not doing that, I hope I've got enough. I hope I've got enough to realize it. Amen? The people lost their appetite for the Word of God. The fact is, the modern church is bored with the Bible. That's why people have to be entertained in our day. That's why modern day churches look more like Hollywood productions than they do church. C.H. Spurgeon said this while preaching. He said, quote, The time will come when instead of shepherds feeding sheep, they will have clowns entertaining goats. We see many clowns entertaining goats from the pulpit today. And you know what the problem is? Many preachers are not even saved. They are not sent. They are not spiritual. They are not separated. They are not scriptural. And they are not sincere. And yet, they're pastoring thousands. And thousands. Why? Because people no longer have an appetite for the Word of God. Like ancient Israel, many can hardly wait until church is over so that they can get to the things they really care about. And when that happens, honey, let me tell you this morning, God will allow you to go your own way. One thing about God, always remember, God is a perfect gentleman. You know what I mean by that? He'll never force you to do something that you don't want to do. He's not going to force you to serve Him. He's not going to force you to be saved. He's not going to force you to go to heaven. He loves you too much to force you to do anything you don't want to do. And so when we reject Him, when we turn our ears off to His Word, when we reject Him and reject Him and reject Him, He will eventually give us our own way. He'll give us our own way. When people refuse to hear the Word of God, when they reject the Word of God, you know what He does? He allows you to starve spiritually. 
If they reject the truth, there will be no more word from God and they will shrivel up and die. So let's keep looking. Here's another fact about this famine. The famine is divine. Look at this. God takes full responsibility for this famine. He says, I will send a famine in the land. Verse 11. I will send a famine in the land. The direct cause of the famine is the wrath of God. God is fed up with their disobedience. God is sickened by their failure to heed the voice of His prophets. And so God stops up their ears. He's going to send them judgment. He's going to stop. Uh, he's going to make it to where they cannot hear the word. When he does speak, they won't be able to hear it. It's judgment. God sends his famine upon the people. Why? Because of their sins. They are wicked at heart. They were dishonest in business. They were guilty of exploiting the poor. They were guilty of idolatry. And they would not turn. God judges them for all these things and even more things. But let me tell you, when the people hear the truth of God's Word and take heed to it, God will bless them. But when that truth is rejected, He will abandon them to their choice. Look in verse 12 and 13, we find that the famine is definite. Verse number 12, it says, And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. It's a definite famine. And when this famine comes, it's going to produce restlessness. It's going to produce weariness. These people will run from place to place looking for a substitute for the word of God that they are no longer hearing they refused to hear the Lord when He spoke to them. And now the silence leaves them spiritually famished. And what they need to do is stop and pay attention to the Word of God that He's already been given to them. This restless activity produces a weariness that is seen in verse number 13. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. What's it say? What's that mean? It means it doesn't matter. They, they're going to be healthy, young, strong, able-bodied people. And what are they going to do? They're going to faint. They're going to faint for thirst. Well, preacher, I thought you said that it wasn't a famine of water or a famine of bread. No, it's not. It's of something much more important. They get so fed up searching for substitutes that they never sat, they, 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 they get fed up searching for substitutes that never satisfy that they simply just stop looking. They faint and they give up spiritually. I would submit to you that this is an accurate picture of our modern world. It's an accurate picture of our modern churches. Many have turned a deaf ear to the Word of God and because of that, God has stopped, has, has, has stopped speaking to them or they cannot hear His voice. Hey, they go to His church. They go to church, but they cannot hear His voice. They become disillusioned with the deadness of fundamental religion and they drop out. So we've got so many, they call them ex-evangelicals today. Or they say that they are deconstructing their faith. They have become so disillusioned and bored that they just walk away from it. They saw their parents profess one thing and live another and they got fed up with the hypocrisy just like the children of Israel right here. 
They got tired of the staleness of the way things have always been and they closed their ears and their hearts to the voice of God. Let me tell you something, church. Just because we've always done it that way don't mean we always need to do it that way. Some things can change. Amen? You know why? Because there are people today that are sick and tired of a dried up, stale religion that is worth nothing. Many people walk into a traditional or a fundamental church and they're so bored out of their minds they can't stand it. Why? Because the people that are faithful and the people that are there don't look like they believe what they say they believe. There's no joy. There's no happiness. I don't know how anybody could sing that last song this morning without a smile on their face. Because He loved me, my Savior died. On the cross He was crucified. No greater love hath mortal man that's ever been wrought. Oh, praise His dear name. He loves me so. Now I am His. He's mine, I know. Why? Because He loved me. How can you sing that without smiling? Oh, preacher, it's just, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, let me tell you what kind of person you look like. If I walked in that door back there and I sat down and I was looking at that, the first thing I'd say is, well, they don't really believe what they're talking about. That seems like it'd be a happy occasion. Hey, that preacher just got up and talked about how good the love of God is and how good it is to be saved. And they sat there like they didn't even hear him. What's up with that? We've grown so accustomed. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. You know what we need to do? We need to do, going back to before I started preaching, we need to do like what Brother Vance Havner said a long time ago, and that's fall back in love with Jesus. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. Amen. The people in this world, they go to and fro. They're looking. They've got tired of the staleness. They've got tired of the way things have always been. They closed their ears. They've closed their hearts to the voice of God. But here's a problem. They've got an itch inside of them that they cannot scratch. They're not satisfied. They're longing for something. So you know what they do? They run to the church where there are no standards. They run to the church where the preacher only preaches sermons that are culturally relevant. They run to the church where the preacher preaches sermons that does not challenge them to a deeper spiritual walk with God. All he ever says is, oh, we know how you feel. Oh, it's okay. Oh, God loves you. He knows you're not perfect. There's no sense in trying. Oh, we can have a little drink. It's okay. Oh, we can have this over here. Oh, you can do this and you can do that. That's where they go. 
You know why? Because it appeases their flesh. They don't want to hear a man get up and challenge them to a closer walk with God. They don't want a man to get up and tell them how wrong they are. And by the way, I don't ever tell somebody how wrong they are without telling them what they can do about it. They run to a church where they no longer have to listen to those old dried up hymns and those old songs, but they get caught up, but they can go somewhere where they can get caught up in something that's nothing more than a dance party. They go to a place where they can come as they leave, and they can come as they are and leave as they came. They look for a place where everything is all about them. All about their needs. All about their feelings. Hey, I want to tell you something. If you don't believe me, you just open up that podcast app on your, on your phone and you go to religion and spirituality and you start listening to the first five that you see. You don't believe me? Go home and turn on a TV and see who the most popular preachers there are. If you don't believe me, go home and do a Google search on the top ten pastors in America and go listen to one of their sermons. There's one that's no there's one that's not even two hours from here. He is one of the biggest narcissists I've ever seen in my life. And if you ever listen to him preach, you'll know it. Everything he preaches is all about him. It's all about his people. It's all about that church. It's all no, it is all about God. And when we get away from that, we're leading people into destruction. They run themselves to death. People today run themselves to death running away from the very thing that will give them exactly what they're looking for. It's all right here. And yet they can't hear it. There's a famine in the land, y'all. When the most popular preachers in America are either heretics, compromisers, or liberals, there's a famine in the land. When the average church member does not know the books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments, or how, how to share the Gospel with an unbeliever, there is a famine in the land. We need to pray today that God will give us and help us to have ears to hear Him as He speaks through His Word and speaks through His preachers and speaks through His Spirit there's a famine in the land, but let me tell you something this morning. We don't all have to starve to death. There's plenty. There is plenty available for those willing to reach out and take it. I was talking about preachers a while ago. There's so much in this blessed old book to preach. I don't need to walk up in here and give you a little story and give you an opinion, and give you what I saw on the news this week. Too much in here! All we need to do is open it, read it, study it, and apply it to our lives. You ain't got to starve to death this morning. There's still food. There's still food around. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Dawn, come play for us softly.
Lord spoke to your heart this morning. You ought to come speak to him on this altar.